Hey, if you're pregnant over 40, I have just the community for you. It's a private community away from Facebook where women just like you come together to meet and support one another during pregnancy. To sign up for the waitlist, go to over40fabulousandpregnant.com forward slash waitlist and be the first to know when the membership is open. I can't wait to see you inside. Welcome to Over 40, Fabulous and Pregnant. I am your host, Jamie Massey, and you're listening to episode 58. If you're looking for pregnancy stories of women over 40, you've come to the right place. And today on the show, we have Chia on to share her pregnancy at 47. She is an amazing inspiration on Instagram and TikTok, and I just had to have her on the show to share her story. This is a natural pregnancy. I know I have a lot of y'all asking about those, and this is her first baby. It was important to Chia that if they had kids together, that it would be natural. She definitely used her own eggs on this one. I know you'll ask that question almost every time. She is almost four months postpartum during this recording, and she says this has been the best pregnancy, and she misses being pregnant. She chose midwife care and wanted an unmedicated birth with possibility of a water birth. And she didn't end up with it. She ended up in the hospital. And I have linked everything that we talked about in the show notes for you. And for me, my first beta was on Friday, which was nine days after the second transfer of our last embryo with donor eggs. God, it's so big when I say it. If you are on Instagram, you'll already know the outcome. And it's so nice to share here because I feel like I'm not as restricted. And what's interesting is I lost a handful of followers after I shared the news. I mean, I know it wasn't because of Barb's story. Y'all, wasn't that story so amazing? Oh my gosh. And Not only is her story amazing, she's also a really good storyteller. Like, I really feel like I know everybody in her family. She is such an inspiration, and I just feel like I can survive anything if Barb can do all that. So, to my transfer. My transfer was on October 25th, 2023. Just in case you're listening to this in the very future, And my first beta was on Friday. Now, first, let's talk about the two-week wait. I had this one in the bag. The first five days were so easy. Like, really. I was wondering, what's the big deal about? Why did I struggle so bad last time? I didn't have anxiety, and I didn't feel the need to test. 
Now, I tested with my first transfer on day seven, and I just assumed that's about when I would test this time. Well, day six came, and that's when the struggle was so real. It was Halloween, and I was having my usual pregnancy symptoms. I don't know about you, but I get burning sensations in the ovary areas. It started the previous day. I was actually really confident I was pregnant. I don't say that a lot, but I I was very confident I was pregnant. And I was sitting at my desk at work, planning why and how I should leave just so I could take a pregnancy test. I was 99% sure I had tests at home. I couldn't believe I made it to the end of the day. And I even went to the grocery store before I tested. You should have seen me tearing up this pregnancy test. It was like I was an animal. I was fiending and I couldn't wait any longer. It was a clear blue test. And I peed in the cup and I placed the stick with the results facing the wall. I washed my Halloween makeup off while I waited. Now, did I go to the grocery store with Halloween makeup on? Yes. Yes, I did. I got my phone ready to record, pressed record, and looked at the results. It was the lightest positive. Even though it was only day six, I cried. Who cries with a positive test, you might be asking? Like sadness crying. Well, my first transfer was light. And my HGC was only 50 at the first beta. Then a few days later, it was 25. So I was sure this was happening again, that this was going to be another chemical pregnancy. And day seven came and Shelly reminded me that clear blue is a terrible idea. So I bought better tests on the way home. And I'm talking to my older sister as I'm sitting in the Walgreens parking lot and I'm telling her, that I have a positive test. And she's like, Jamie, this is the most sad I've ever seen you tell me that you're pregnant. And I just want to say, yeah, this is my fifth positive test. And it's light. And I know what's going to happen. So I bought the test, ran home, Fiending so hard again, I tore that package open, peed in the cup and waited. But this time, the results were different. It was a dark, positive line. (sighs) What a relief. Day eight, I got the same dark, positive line. Well, okay. Maybe my HGC is a little higher than 50. Like I was really believing that. I was ready 
to have my blood drawn this time. First, before we get to that, I had been low on my meds, and the doctor says over and over, multiple times, do not let your meds get low. And here I was with low medication. And I ordered them on Thursday to rev- to arrive on Friday. So last time they came before lunch, and I wasn't worried about them not arriving at the office before I had to leave. Well, nope. I had to leave and I did not have my medication. We have half days off at work. So everyone was heading home at 12:30 when I was trying to leave and the front desk was not was at lunch. I had to ask the owner of the company if he would stay a little bit longer until the medication arrived or I got back. Oh my God, what terrible planning on my part. It was so embarrassing. But I got my blood drawn and she said it would be about an hour and a half before they would call me with the results. So I went back to the office, picked up the medication. Thank goodness someone had set it on my desk. And I went home. The call came pretty quickly after I got home. And I was ready with my pen and paper. In those emotional situations, I just have to write things down like that. Otherwise, I just forget them. And the nurse congratulated me that I was pregnant. And my HGC level was 220. Oh, my gosh. I was not expecting it to be that high. I was so shocked. You know how I feel about twins. So I had to ask her if there was a possibility of twins. Of course, she wouldn't say. She said the only way to know is with an ultrasound. And later... I asked some of my friends who have twins what their HGC level was, and it was way higher than 220. Hey, that's okay. One baby will be a miracle too. I also asked the nurse how far along I was because honestly, I don't get this IVF math as to how far along I am. Like, totally don't get it. But she said on Friday, I was four weeks and zero days. So obviously, very early in the pregnancy. But this could actually work. Like that HGC level said, this could work. And the nurse also wanted me to do another beta on Monday to make sure my levels were going up. And That is the day that this show comes out. So I will keep you updated on Instagram. And I will also mention it on next week's show. And after this news, after calling my husband and crying and calling my mom and my sisters with the news, I knew I wanted to share it on Instagram. And I wanted to share it with you. 
but it actually took me a little bit because I felt so sad for all of my friends that are trying to. And I didn't want anybody to think I was bragging about getting a positive test. (sighs) Don't forget, this is my fifth positive pregnancy test and I don't have any kids. So to me, a positive test doesn't mean a baby. In fact, it has been a really hard weekend. I thought I was winning at my ass-clinching war, but no, not this weekend. I have been really struggling being positive. All my mind wants to look for is signs if I'm pregnant or if I'm not pregnant. It is not perfect or better when I'm pregnant, at least not for me. Don't get me wrong. I am really excited and really hopeful. I've read all the replies on Instagram. Y'all, I've cried and responded to every single one. And I just feel like I'm surrounded by the most amazing women. Thank you so much. There's not many people around me that get it. And I know you do. The messages mean so much to me. Really, thank you. I wrote all of this down in a frozen embryo transfer number two series. And there's a link I will leave in the show notes if you want more details. This time I've really focused on numbers and details. And I've really just, I think I've enjoyed the process more and it's really made me more confident despite how I'm feeling now. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. (sighs) What an intro, y'all. But hey, with that, let's get to Chia's journey to motherhood with her natural pregnancy at 47. Chia, welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. And today we are sharing her story at 47. So amazing. But before we get started on your story, will you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. So my name is Chia. That's the first thing. It's spelled C-H hyphen A. And so most people are like, how do you say that girl's name? So that's my name. (laughs) And um, I'm an L.A. girl born and raised in California, but I currently live in Clearwater, Florida. And I am a new surprise mommy. I conceived at the age of 46 naturally and was honestly uh, skeptical if the pregnancy would carry through. And now, (laughs) surprise, surprise, she did. She carried through and I'm a new mom to a baby girl. And that's the most succinct snapshot of who I am because that is whatever it is that I was changed so drastically with this Mm -hmm. pregnancy, (laughs) but I'm on a new path now. I'm a new Chia for sure. I love it. So tell us, leading up to finding out you were pregnant, what were you doing? And this isn't your first pregnancy, correct? Correct. So leading up to my pregnancy, I actually um, had been in California because my father 
was in a very bad car accident, which put him in the hospital for about a week and a half. And then he passed away. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. That's why when people say, were you trying? Like, no. pregnancy was literally the furthest thing from my mind mm-hmm. when I conceived. And I do think it's more spiritual than anything else. I mean, some people say when you lose a life, then a new one comes in. You know, mm-hmm. there is that tale. And I think that I might be experiencing that. So, yeah, my dad, my dad passed away and I had to put him to rest and pack up mama and bring her here with me to Florida. And the weekend that I returned home after all of that was the weekend that I conceived. Like, I'm very certain about that. That was that. I did conceive at the age of 45, also naturally and just surprised, but that pregnancy didn't stick. I miscarried. And then about a year later, we conceived again, you know, and now I have the baby that we all know, little Naomi. Yeah. I'm sorry about your miscarriage, but on this podcast, we really like to share our losses also along the way. So thank you for sharing. Oh yeah. I make sure I let women know that because Mm -hmm. that's the other part of the story is that I conceived at 45, miscarried, and still went on to conceive again naturally at 46 and carry my baby through two-term healthy, both she and I. And that is part of the beauty of my story and the hope of it all is that just because you miscarry doesn't mean that you can't try again, especially at my age, right? Yeah. So tell us, were you just late on your cycle and that's what prompted you to think you were pregnant? No, the first thing that prompted me is I was extremely fatigued. Mm. And when I had been in California dealing with my dad, I had like untold amounts of energy. Like I was like the energizer bunny, you know, handling him, handling their state, handling, like I just was not tired. And then, you know, about a week after returning home, I hit a wall of fatigue that didn't make sense. And what I, what I think it was an increase in my progesterone. Mm. And what occurred was I also, in, in anticipation of my period, was taking a progesterone supplement. And this, so I think I had elevated progesterone plus the progesterone supplement. And I couldn't stay awake for anything. I was miserable. And I was like, I can't, like, what is happening? Then my period didn't come. I was like, maybe a day or two late. And I was like, take the test. Take the test. Uh-huh. <laughs> Uh, I was, I am very in tune with my body in that way. And yep, sure enough, it read positive. And what were your thoughts seeing that positive test? Excitement and also a little dread, you know, because I had had the previous miscarriage. So Mm -hmm. it was a little bit like, oh my goodness, like I'm pregnant. And then, okay, but we'll see. Yeah. I'm pregnant, but. Yeah, we can't get too excited. I know that Mm -hmm. feeling. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Don't want to get too excited. Don't want to get my hopes up. We'll Mm -hmm. see. Yeah. Well, tell us how was the pregnancy? Because you looked fabulous for sure. Thank you. (laughs) The pregnancy, I think, was better than probably what even 20-year-olds experience. I mean, I did have some standard pregnancy stuff. Like, you know, I was tired and I went through that. But I didn't vomit. Not one time. I didn't get swollen. I didn't have high blood pressure. I didn't have gestational diabetes, like all these things that they warn about with standard pregnancies, never mind geriatric pregnancies. I skipped all of it. 
it was a fantastic pregnancy. So much so that I miss being pregnant. I'm like, oh, I don't want to do it again. When I see pregnant women, I'm like, I get jealous. Uh-huh. See their bellies. I'm like, oh, I want to do it again. <laughs> I had a really good pregnancy, which is the other part of the story. Because that's the other thing when you have, you know, your pregnancy over 35, over 40 or over 45, it's supposed to be rough. Mm-hmm. Apparently not necessarily. Yeah, that's awesome. So tell us, were you working out? What was your diet like? Sure. So again, leading up to the pregnancy, this go around, I, I about a month and a half, I had spent just handling my dad's passing in, in a state and affairs. So I was not working out necessarily. I would go on walks to kind of console myself, but there was no fitness routine. I was actually pretty run down, kind of running on fumes, probably, you know, out of just necessity. Mm-hmm. But there was no real attention on physical fitness, but I was taking a lot of supplements because my my rule for myself, even prior to my dad, is if I am not sleeping and I'm not particularly eating well, I need to take supplements. Like I can't let them all fall out. So I was heavy on B vitamins. I'm a big B vitamin mm. proponent because B1 keeps away anxiety, keeps away nightmares, keeps away any kind of negative thoughts that may creep in when you're going through stress. Mm-hmm. So I was heavy on vitamin B1 and vitamin B complex. B complex is good for the nervous system, good for metabolism. So lots of B1, lots of B complex because I was in and out the hospital. I was heavy on my zinc for immunity heavy on vitamin D for immunity because we're still kind of in this COVID blah, 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 you know, whatever. And Mm -hmm. so we know that the D vitamin D and zinc were good for just keeping your immunity up. So heavy on those. And um, I take my vitamin E because it's, it's good for oxygenating the blood. So those would be the main ones that I would say B1, B complex, vitamin E, vitamin D, zinc. Oh, and of course, vitamin C. Mm-hmm. And so I was about, really like downing those to keep my my physical health up during the stressful mm-hmm. time. What about your doctor? Because you just mm-hmm. moved to Clearwater. Mm-hmm. How did you how did you find a doctor in that process? I posted in some groups that I'm a part of here locally in Clearwater, asking mm-hmm. for what you call it. What, what's the word? Um, recommendations. Mm-hmm. And uh, so a couple of ladies had chimed in on the OBG office that I wound up starting with. So I started with one OB office that I would just go to for my annual PAP and they, and they saw me through my first miscarriage. But when I conceived, that was a different game. And I started asking around and learning more about natural birth and opted out of the OB clinic that I was with and went with a birthing center. Okay. And went under midwife care about halfway through. Mm-hmm. What was important to you? What was important to me was a natural birth, having choices and having a choice for a water birth and mm. in an environment where that was held most important over everything else. And because I was in the age group that I'm in, I, I wanted to still be granted respect for my birthing choices. And so the birthing center was where I thought that I could get that the most. But don't get me wrong, the birth, the um, OB clinic that I was with was fantastic. Like they mm-hmm. backed me up. They were great, but they operated out the hospital and they didn't have water birth option. 
-hmm. if I went there. And I was a little bit nervous about being pressured into C-section unnecessarily. Like I didn't want to be pressured into unnecessary medical interventions if I didn't have to be. So it's kind of like the scenario that I was trying to avoid. I landed in anyway, mm-hmm. but I did go with the birthing center with the hope to be able to have a natural delivery. Yeah. You're speaking my language because that's the route that I'm going also. I love yeah. to hear that. And so here, here's my advice. And we can talk later about the full story, but I will say when you do conceive, because I am cheering for you that you do. And for all other ladies, when you do conceive, or if you are currently pregnant, when you get around that due date, kick your feet up and be rested. That was where I fumbled my ball. I, I was able to stay at home and be rested. And the day that I went into labor, I was tired. I oh was tired gosh. and I didn't have enough sleep and I went into it exhausted and I didn't get enough sleep and I couldn't hold food down. And I believe in a way I, I sabotaged my own natural delivery because mm. I wasn't ready for I love that advice. Be rested. That's really good. It's hard because some, you know, you want to get up and do things like you're already, I want to say kind of like physically burdened, if you will, because you're carrying Mm -hmm. this load and you're tired. And if you're kind of like, it's still like a type A kind of dominant go-getter, want to do stuff like me, there's always like, okay, well, I can rest later. I can take a nap later, but I just want to do this one thing, or I just want to do that one thing. Mm -mm. Sit down. Sit down, sit down, sit down, because labor is labor. And if you're doing it where you're not so fresh, you know, not in your 20s anymore, not in your 30s, you've pushed past a a point where you have these other tanks to maybe pull into, sit down, be lazy, Netflix it up. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. That's great advice. Yeah, trust me. And what about finding out the sex? I wanted to know right away. Mm -hmm. So I found out the sex through very early on because they have all uh, these types of tests that you can do to test for the baby's chromosomes as well. Like, are there any chromosomal abnormalities? Like I wanted to know all these things up front. Mm -hmm. And so with those tests, you can also find out the sex. So I I found out her sex at 12 weeks. I want to say like, I didn't have to wait a long time. Uh That was important to me because I wanted to be able to speak to her for who she is. Mm -hmm. Give her you know, more an identity. An identity. Yeah. yeah. I love yeah. that. Did you find out and through I'm a, ultrasound? I'm a traditionalist. You know, I'm kind of like, yeah, no, you're a girl. <laughs> yeah. I love that yeah. idea. Because I kind of don't want to find out. But I also love, like, getting to know her. And that's part of who she is. It's part of the bond. Yeah, yeah. It is part of being able to have a full communication. But I think parents each work it out in their own ways. Like having a surprise is fun as well, too. Yeah. You know, I do like in pregnancy to being like Christmas, you know, like you're you mm-hmm. got this date that's coming and you can't wait to unwrap your package. And sure, not knowing the gender is part of that game. And so I understand why, why parents choose to go that route, too, mm-hmm. and have it be a surprise. And it's, it's all individual, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Was there any th- any product or anything that helped you through pregnancy that you could recommend? Iron. Mm. Specifically in the third trimester, I started to get very run down. Mm-hmm. And a friend of mine who's a, a nurse recommended that I get my, my blood levels checked for iron. And I was just borderline anemic. And I took a product, Floridix. Floridex. It's a liquid iron supplement and it was amazing because it didn't constipate me, you know? Oh, so yes. 
Yeah, that that was a big, big deal Mm -hmm. because you're already struggling in that department. (laughs) Anyway, and so that that really did help with my energy levels and making sure that you take it in concert with vitamin C. Because Mm -hmm. iron needs vitamin C to absorb. So if you just take that Floridex without also taking vitamin C, not as effective. So that's my advice. If you can take that, obviously always consult with your doctor. Because if your levels are fine for something, then don't go supplementing something that's already fine. Mm -hmm. But if you do find that you need to take iron, I found that that one worked really, really well. There was that early in pregnancy, I took um, nutritional yeast for energy. I was very fatigued early on, and I don't think it was an iron issue, but nutritional yeast is a natural source of your B vitamins. Mm. And so that one really helped with my first trimester fatigue and got me up off the couch and handled my nausea. Like I constantly felt nauseous. I never threw up, but there was always almost like like you're on a boat, like the threat of something Mm going to happen, but never actually vomiting, but just queasy. And nutritional yeast handled that. How did you eat it? I mixed mine in with orange juice. I would just take it like a shot. <laughs> Nutritional yeast is used by vegans and vegetarians mm-hmm. as a as a cheese substitute. Mm-hmm. I like cheese. I'm like, this is not cheese. Like, I'm not sprinkling this on macaroni and calling it cheese. This, this does not taste good to me. So I would just mix it like in a little glass with some orange juice and just chug it down. Mm-hmm. Just get it down for nutrition and not for taste or anything. Else. <laughs> just make it easy. Just make it easy. Just it's almost like just <laughs> hold your nose. She's holding her nose. Hold my nose. Shake it down. But if you happen to think that it's a lovely cheese substitute, then you can sprinkle it on salads and macaroni and cheese and popcorn and la la la. <laughs> I just didn't enjoy it like that. So mm-hmm. I wanted to, <laughs> <laughs> but I would take it twice a day, morning and night, because it also made a difference with my sleep. So let me rattle this off. So nutritional yeast in my first trimester handled my fatigue, handled my queasiness, and helped me so that I could sleep through the night. That's one thing that does all that sounds really great. That's what it did for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, awesome. Now, women who are outright vomiting because it's not super yummy may have a hard time getting it down. And so that may not be the solution, but I would say give it a shot because it may help with other things. Mm-hmm. How much should you take? The recommended dosage. So whatever the, the scoop was in the bag, oh. a tablespoon or two, whatever that they mm-hmm. come with scoops, you know. Mm-hmm. So I would just dump that. I didn't okay. do any more or less than what was recommended. Okay. And mm-hmm. how, how did you prepare for birth and baby to come? So I, you know, went to the birthing center. And um, so a lot of my preparation, you know, involved a lot of self-care, a lot of checkups. Like I op- Like I opted to do every single test that they offered. Some women may not like that, but I I didn't want any surprises because of the fact that we are older. If she was going to have any kind of physical abnormalities that she was going to need extra care, I I wanted to know that up front. We needed Mm -hmm. to be prepared for any and all eventualities, no surprises. So I did all the blood work, all the ultrasounds, like I opted for that. So that was one thing that I did in preparation. Now, as far as like, you know, nursery and and setting up her room, that was interesting because I had to move my mom out here. And so mom is in a room that we would have been able to use for the baby. So she's in a room with us. So it's been like an Ikea project, like how many ways can we rearrange this to make her fit? Like we are looking at moving because this home that was just 
he and my partner, mm-hmm. you know, like all this space, like it was great, suddenly shrunk. Like yeah. grandma came, baby came. <laughs> Two more people. Two more makes people house, like that. Yeah. Makes the house shrink real quick. Makes the house shrink. So now the house definitely looks like Naomi Bill, like our living room. Like, oh my God. <laughs> it's just like, okay. Because as the baby grows, you have to buy all these learning toys and things for her to do. So I digress because we're talking about preparation for birth. So for those parents that have to try to make it all fit in one room, join the club. You're not alone, which is fine because it's nice to have her in the room with us. So we bought the bassinet and we figured out all the ways, like how can we position this bassinet? So we bought the bassinet, we bought the stroller, we bought the playpen. And this is a funny story too, because he started purchasing things after the 12 week ultrasound. He saw like in the 12 week ultrasound, she was shaped. And this is interesting because at nine weeks, she's a blob, you know, just kind of mm-hmm. like a little, you can kind of see a head, kind of see an eyeball, kind of see these little arm nubs. By 12 weeks, there's a head, there's a nose, there's defined arms. Like it's amazing how fast she grew. He saw that ultrasound and he was like, the baby is coming. And next thing I know, there's a stroller, there's a playpen, there's a baby carrot. Cause he was like, I don't want to wait till the last minute. You start buying these things now. And then I was like, well, you're buying all these things. And what if I don't carry her through the term? You're going to resent me and blah, blah, blah. So dramatic. <laughs> so he was the one that started prepping. Whereas I wanted to drag my feet and make sure, cause I don't want to have all these things in the house. And you spent all this money mm-hmm. and whether it's nah, 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 nah. he was like, whatever, this baby is coming. Like he was way more confident about it. And he was the planner, not me. I was just That's like, funny. <laughs> so he was like that at 12 weeks. Where was it for you that you were like, I'm really having a baby. That's interesting. Let me sip some water really fast. Okay. Me too. So there was a website that I would go to, to track my weeks, right? Like the Mm -hmm. milestone, the pregnancy. So there was 13 weeks. That was a big relief. Like the chance of miscarriages, I markedly decreases. So I'm like, okay, okay. That's great news. The 20 week ultrasound was where I had a big sigh of relief Mm -hmm. because no more, you know, no abnormalities found, right? Like she mm-hmm. was great. I mean, there, there was one abnormality with her heart, but it's like asymptomatic, like something about her heart aorta, but nothing that was like life-threatening or anything like that. Just something to know. Wow, big relief. But here's the deal. You never are allowed to relax because there's always this, but there's a threat of stillbirth. There's a threat, you know, mm-hmm. so there's always this thing. But at 20 weeks, there was a big relief. Then I want to say somewhere, I think it's it's 23 weeks, maybe 28, where uh, the baby can survive outside the womb if born prematurely. Mm-hmm. And whatever that milestone was, was when I said, okay. We made it like it was like a big like, okay, baby, even if you have to come early, there's a chance for you. And that was the week where I said, "Okay, we're doing it. We're doing it. I love that. Oh, what about cravings? Did you have any? Oh, tell us. Steak. 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 I ate. I should say beef. 
I ate more hamburgers and more steaks in this pregnancy than I had in my entire life. Like I was not what you would consider like a heavy carnivore, mm-hmm. you know, like that. there have been periods in my life where I would like go vegetarian and just cut meat out or eat very little meat and certainly not a lot of red meat. Mm-hmm. This Naomi was like, where's my beef? Like uh-huh. I would crave beef and nothing else would do. Uh-huh. So, and that's still like, I still am eating like a lot of red meat, not as much as when I was pregnant, but still a lot more than I did uh, prior to pregnancy. That, that was the biggest craving. I didn't crave sweets. It's not like I needed lots of ice cream and I, I didn't like junk food particularly. It was really like lots of fruit, lots mm-hmm. of citrus and lots of meat. Huh. That that was the deal. So I, I, I figured if that's what I'm craving, that's what she wants. So let's do it. I got a yeah. healthy girl. So I guess that was the right thing to do. Yeah. It's so interesting how that happens. Like, I wonder if it has to do with the iron. In I That would be my guess. The mm-hmm. iron and the protein. Mm-hmm. The protein to build the body. So yeah. I'm glad that I didn't have any funky cravings because kind of like if you get those, ignore those and just listen for the healthy ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's also why my pregnancy went so well. I didn't eat a lot of junk food. And I did have the second trimester honeymoon. So I was at the gym. I was at the gym. I'd be at the gym at like five in the morning, five thirty, because I didn't she was starting kicking. And so I would wake up, you mm-hmm. know, and would not be able to sleep. So I would just get up and go to the gym and work out. So we were like at the gym, work out, you know, or I would do some yoga in the morning. So the second trimester was where I did get my fitness in. Uh-huh. And so, yeah, so it was good fitness and good nutrition. I love that. Yeah, it was great pregnancy. Did anybody comment that you were pregnant at the gym? You know, the funny thing is, I wasn't showing so dramatically. Like, you would almost have to do a double take Mm -hmm. to catch it. In in fact, (laughs) there's one day where this older guy, you know, sees me in the gym. I wave at him. You know, black man is just like, hey, bro, how you doing? You know, do my, do my brother acknowledgement, go to workout. He finds me a little bit later in gym. So what's your name? I'm like, I'm Chi. And he's like, hey, I'm whatever, Joe. I'm like, nice to meet you, Joe. He's like, did he ask me for my number? It was something really bizarre. But somebody who knew me was watching this, like uh, like a, a friend of mine also worked out of the same gym. And so he comes in, he's like, so hey, how's the baby coming along? <laughs> you know, it, he kind of like ran interference on me because he could see I was being hit on. Mm-hmm. And um, I was like, yeah, you know, I'm 20 something weeks now. And he's like, oh, that's great. And then the guy was like, oh, okay. That's hilarious. So I didn't actually get much commentary about my pregnancy status, but also at that, that morning, that early morning, people are kind of, when you have people at the gym working out that early because they're trying to get in and out. So everybody's kind of like in their own tunnel vision zone. Mm-hmm. And not a lot of comments about me being in there. <laughs> but that didn't last. At, at, at about the seventh week, I canceled my membership and got on the couch. I was really tired. <laughs> yeah. Well, is there anything else about your pregnancy you want to mention? I think the thing that I want to reiterate is to get into your mind a positive attitude about your pregnancy and and to use my pregnancy as a good example of how it could be. Because I think there's a lot of attention on how bad pregnancy over 35 can be. And again, never mind pregnancy over 45. I had a fantastic pregnancy. And so 
there's kind of like this. Not only can you possibly conceive after the age of 35 or after the age of 40, conceive naturally, you can also have a relatively easy pregnancy. It does not have to be a disaster, apparently, because mine wasn't. Like I just kept being surprised about how well things went during the pregnancy. And so I would like to um, just advise ladies to really shoot for an ultimate of a um, I want to advise ladies to just shoot for an ultimate that it can all go pretty well and, and to really shoot for that and keep your supplements in and exercise when you can, as you can. And just, you know, don't listen to anybody who tells you about how hard it has to be. It doesn't have to be. And don't let people treat you a certain way because of your age. It's like, you know, stay as active as you can for as long as you can and listen to your body and eat well. You know, don't give in to those cravings that may be kicking in. Really, really do do yourself a service and eat your greens and get your protein from where you can. Like I'm, if you're a vegetarian or a vegan, I'm not going to tell you to go eat meat, but definitely, you know, find your protein sources and just keep a good diet for yourself. And you can have a fantastic pregnancy like a 20 year old. That that's the biggest thing that I I want to push for. Always maintain hope. Part of my conception story is the fact that we did discuss getting pregnant. It wasn't like we we never talked about getting pregnant because well we were having unprotected sex and I was still having a period. So I was like you know we need to talk about this because even though the chances are not high that we can conceive, it's not out the the work and so or out the possibility, you know? And so we did talk about it, you know, were we willing to have a baby? And the answer was yes, we were willing to have a baby. And we did decide together that due to our ages, we weren't going to put ourselves through IVF or anything like that. Like we didn't want to build ourselves up into big expectations about having a baby. We just decided that if it was going to happen, it had to happen naturally. And if, like people would ask like, hey, so do you guys want to have a baby? Are you going to have a baby? Because people, our friends liked us as a couple. You know, they're kind of really rooting for us as a couple. So we would say, yeah. And I would joke like, yeah, if some being can come along and scrape a good egg off the side of my uterus and work with it, by all means, he or she can have at it. Like that was my joke, scrape the egg off the side. Because I'm like, <laughs> I know if I stuck there by now. <laughs> And so we were always very light about it. We mm-hmm. were always very lighthearted. We had no must have that we have to have a baby, but we also were responsible to discuss it. Like I didn't want it to be one of those things where, oh, I got pregnant. And then I found out that, oh, he didn't really want a baby. You know, we mm-hmm. were just being irresponsible and having unprotected sex. And now I found out that he actually didn't want it. So, you know, we did remove that. Like we did, you know, discuss that if it did happen, we wanted it to happen and we we would be responsible for it. But it just had to come naturally. That was our only rule. And we are spiritual people. We do believe that babies are, are beings before they arrive. You know, I don't know whether a person is religious or spiritual or whatever. Most of us can agree that there's a body, but then there's us, there's a spirit. And just because it's a baby doesn't mean that there's no spirit connected to it. And so we decided that 
whoever came along and found us to be a happy home would have to work with our our resources. So they have to work with his sperm and they have to work with my eggs. (laughs) (laughs) Well, are you ready to get to the birth story? Yes, I am. Let's Let's do it. Let's do it. Give me a question. Ask, ask, ask me your first question that leads me to tell the story. Where do, you, where do you want me to start? What about a birth plan? How did you decide with the birthing center? It, you wanted a natural labor. Mm-hmm. So where did it start? Sure. Well, it started, I wanted a natural labor when my mom had me naturally. So I've long been a proponent of that. But I'm also very opposed to drugs. Of, of any sort, like even over the counter, things like that. So I really wanted to avoid an epidural and, you know, anything that would involve me having to inject unnatural substances into my body. That was my goal. Mm-hmm. Obviously, ultimate goal is get the baby out by any means possible, but that sure. was what I wanted. That was my goal. So, um, you know, I talked to friends in my community and just kind of surveyed them in the birthing center that I chose was one that a lot had been to. Mm-hmm. It's interesting, like I'm surrounded by a lot of ladies who have had babies recently and a few over the in in their 40s. So I'm in like a very safe community Fun. for that. So that's how I chose my birthing center. And then I took uh, birthing classes. We took the Bradley Method birthing class, mm-hmm. which is about father coached birthing. So the father is very involved in the birthing process and has a role and has a hat on how to help you deliver naturally. Mm-hmm. So that's how we got educated. I carried two terms. I got her to 40 weeks and I was very anxious about getting her delivered because, again, I was still being faced with the conversation about the threat of stillbirth and carrying Mm -hmm. her too long and then having to go to the hospital and blah, blah, blah. So I started getting um, started trying to do things to make the baby come. And so I was taking evening primrose oil and other supplements and I was inserting primrose oil vaginally to help loosen up the mucus plug and get that process going. Ultimately, I got membrane sweeps, which is where they go in with the fingers and sweep the membrane to try Mm -hmm. to break it. So I got that done one time. It did get me dilated. I got that done at 39 weeks. They were willing to do it a little bit early for me due to my age. Mm-hmm. So I got it done at 39 weeks, got me dilated to about three centimeters, but I didn't go into labor. The next week I went in for my next visit. We did the membrane sweep again, because you can get it done more than once. And about an hour and a half later, my water broke. And the funny thing is, is I was at CVS buying castor oil in case the membrane sweep didn't work. Then the next day I was going to do castor oil and I was sitting in the parking lot of CVS. I had just bought it. And, and I keep laughing because the, the clerk kept saying, do you need a receipt? Do you need a receipt? I said, no, I don't need a receipt. It's fine. I don't need a receipt. As soon as I walked into the parking lot, bought it, got in the car, my water broke. <laughs> so I can't ever return to castor oil. <laughs> um, want a receipt. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I didn't get the damn receipt. See, I'm sitting in a car. Get start the engine, and all of a sudden, this gush of water comes out. And I would say about an hour and a half after that, I was in active labor. Like it kicked in pretty fast. Yes, I went into active labor very fast, and I was hungry and tired. So by the time I got food into my system, I couldn't hold it down. I threw it up. So now I'm in heavy labor, I'm tired with no food because I can't keep food down. I get to the birthing center around midnight. I'm exhausted. I try to sleep. I try to sleep. It's hard sleeping 
when you're having contractions. Like, like we kind of slowed the labor down. The, the drive to the birthing center was very rough and uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Just you don't realize how sensitive you are to everything until you're actually in labor. Mm-hmm. So that slowed the labor down, which allowed me to try to sleep. But I'm in and out of sleep. It's not a comfortable sleep. The next morning, we try to get me some breakfast. Okay, good. They give me some cash to oil. I'm like, okay, we get the contractions back going. And I'm like, I can do it. I can do it. And then I throw up again. Uh-huh. I throw up the castor oil. I throw up the breakfast. I throw up everything. Now, the thing about your water breaking is you have to deliver within 24 hours mm-hmm. at the birthing center or else they get you to the hospital. And at about 22 hours, I started fantasizing about the epidural. I was exhausted. I was like, I just, I was like, I knew, I was like, I'm not going to deliver her within the time frame here. I can't deliver on a clock. I need to sleep and I need to be able to hold food down. And so we made the decision to throw in a towel to transfer to the hospital. And by in between transfer from the birthing center to the hospital, Naomi pooped. And so I had meconium, like I had on like a depends or whatever, because you're leaking a lot during late labor is disgusting. Like there's all kind of body fluid falling out everywhere. You're pooping, you're farting, you're vomiting. It's like, it's horrible. <laughs> it's the most demoralizing, not beautiful experience. Um, so anyway, so I go in there, my depends and they pull it down and the nurse can see that there's now meconium where there wasn't at the birthing center. So somewhere in transit, Naomi went into stress. But okay, so they gave me the epidural. And after the epidural, you know, we're watching her and her heart rate starts dipping. Okay, so we do some things to kind of get it back up. And then it crashes again. And we get it back up. And then it crashed. And the nurse, like, and we're watching her heart rate. Like, she's, you know, she's talking to me. She's kind of letting me know what's happening. And then there's a point where Naomi's heart rate crashed so low. She flips the monitor away from me and she hits a button. And I said about like five ladies in blue show up. And I was like, okay, when there's an urgent situation like that, one of the things my birthing um, instructor her in her class, she says, listen, when the doctors are consulting you and talking to you about things, it's not urgent, right? Like you kind of still have choices. She was like, when there's an emergency, they stop asking questions. And when the nurse flipped the monitor from my face and hit the button and the ladies in blue showed up and that like that fast and in that number, I knew we were done talking and a doctor showed up and he was done entertaining my ideas because he was kind of like as soon as we showed up, like you're looking at a C-section scenario. And I was like, see, here we go in the hospital. They don't want to get me in a C-section right away and blah, blah, blah. So I was like a little bit in disaccord with the doctor at first. Mm-hmm. But when the urgency showed up with the nurse and she called the doctor in and I saw Naomi's heart rate crashing, I said, let's get her out. Because prior to labor, I had been going for weekly non-stress tests. I knew what her heart rate looked like. Like I was familiar with the heart rate monitor every week. I had been seeing her heart rate and I know what it looks like. And when it was dipping into 60 range, I said, that's not my baby. And okay, let's go get her. Like I'm done. Yeah done messing around here we take her out Mm -hmm. and so that's what happened and I swear the c-section process is so interesting because I remember they announced you know we get to the operating room and they announce the time 509 509 like there's an agreement you get to the door what's the time it's 509 her delivery time was 529 (laughs) 
Like they are so fast with these C-sections. Like it is unbelievable. Yeah. And so, you know, that's how we wind up having her. And that's, they say the best laid plans. Sometimes, you know, Mm -hmm. things don't go your way, but at the end of the day, you just want a healthy baby. And that's what I have. So she's healthy. I'm healthy. And you just got to do at the end of the day, whatever gets you your baby and be flexible on that and not beat yourself up because everything didn't go to plan. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. how far out are you from birth? Are you three or four months? She'll be four months on Thursday. Oh, yay. Yeah. Four months on Thursday. Let's talk about the postpartum if you can a little bit. Sure. Okay. Mm -hmm. How was your recovery? My recovery, I think, was great. But I will say this. I don't know why women go in for scheduled C-sections if they don't have to. Mm-hmm. You know, if there's a medical reason why you have to, then of course I understand. But because women want to know the timing of their birth and stuff like that, I don't know why C-section recovery is not fun. And what sucks about it is you're not as available to your baby, I think, as you might be able to be after vaginal. Because and I and I've heard of some rough vaginal births too, where things are, you know, it's a situation, but you use your abs for everything. Mm-hmm. And I didn't like even just this motion right here, like sitting in the bed doing this mm-hmm. was awful. Never mind trying to reach over and pick up my baby. Mm-hmm. It was awful. Mm. It was awful. Like I'm just, it was just so painful. But one of the things that the nurses were very adamant that they saw me doing a hospital that I continue to do at home was walk. They really push walking after you have a C-section. And a lot of women apparently think that walking is not the right thing to do, but you should walk because it gets the guts going, helps you poop, which poop is king when you've had a C-section. I can't tell you. It's a, I don't know if it's because if your bowels are too compressed and it pushes on things and it makes things more painful. I don't know. But because I was walking, I was able to poop, able to pass gas, and that actually helped things heal a lot faster. So even when I came home, I would walk. And um, I'll share this with you as well, too, because it all is very interesting. I was very proud of my pregnant belly and I like being pregnant. People are so nice to you and they want to smile at you and want to know all about it. And then I had the C-section and I'm all bandaged up and, you know, I kind of look pregnant, but maybe I just have a gut. You know, you can't, by looking at you can't really tell, you know, what's my circumstances. So I'm walking around the corner, taking a walk and I'm limping, right? Kind of shuffling along and kind of hunched over. And I was just crying because I was like, this sucks. I was like, now I just, you know, I don't even really look pregnant. I just look like I have issues, <laughs> you know, because it just, it just wasn't like, it definitely is an emotional thing, you know, because you don't have the baby inside of you anymore. And then there's this physical recovery and it's not glamorous and it's not yeah. fun and you're not glowing anymore. At least I wasn't, you know, at that moment. And I couldn't, you know, interact with my baby fully the way I wanted to. But because I was walking, I recovered fast. And everyone says, stay away from stairs, stay away from stairs. I live in a three-story townhouse. That was not an option for me. Lauren, her dad had to go back to work. Like we delivered her on Thursday. He was back to work by Tuesday. Wow. While I did have a lot of friends show up and help, 
There's only so much they can do. So by necessity, I got right real quick. So I was going up and downstairs every day, not a lot and very slow, but I made my way. Mm-hmm. I made my way very fast. And so, you know, by six weeks, I was pretty good to go. But if you can deliver vaginally, <laughs> if you can, I would say go for it, you know, because that C-section is like, it's a guaranteed, like you're you're on the bench, you know, vaginal delivery. You have a shot of being able to just stand up and walk out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you do. Yeah. Yeah, you and have a shot at it. C-section is pretty, it's rough. Yeah. Mentally, how were you in your recovery? Great. There's something about me, and that is I'm always going to make sure that I'm happy. I'm always going to make sure that I'm happy, and I'm always going to do things to make sure that I'm in a good space mentally. So that means I ate well, took my supplements, like I didn't come off my prenatals and I stay on my B vitamins and I took lots of walks and I had a good friendship circle. My -hmm. girlfriends like, oh, they showed up in mass because my family is in California. The only family I have here is my mom. And my mom is, she's of an age where she needs her own level of care. Like Mm -hmm. she actually has not been able to be much of an assistance for me with the baby, which is his own story. Like I I have a geriatric mom who physically, you know, she can walk around and take care of herself, but mentally is not the grandma she would have been just a few years ago. So it's, I've had a lot of help from friends who live here locally. They're like sisters. And um, so they would show up and and bring me food and, and help me with the baby so I could shower. So that helped me mentally. And then Lauren is an amazing father. And when he comes home, he is hands on with his baby. There's been a couple of days where he would come home and she would just be screaming at me, like just, and he would hear it and he would drop his bags and come straight up, take her from me, you know, give me a minute. If I need to take a walk, if I need to do anything, he gives me the space to do it. And I think that's very important. I understand that some women don't have very supportive partners in that way. And the men can be too hands off or too You know, the baby is your department. And I can see how that can contribute to a lot of sadness because I would be very sad if I couldn't for a moment in time take a breath or if I had a partner who didn't validate me. Like he very, he's always tells me, you're doing a great job with her. You're such a good mama. You're such a good, he'll pat me on the butt. You're such a good mama. You're such a good mama. (laughs) You know, and so all these things combined you know, my personal attitude, my personal good habits about my mental well-being, my personal friendship circle, and then my partner make this so that it's a, it's a beautiful experience. I'm not going to say there's not days where I'm not like overwhelmed or like, Ooh, this is hard. Of course there are like, yeah, but it's not to a point where I'm sunk into anything. Like my mom, they're moments for me. They're, they're moments of sadness, moments of, am I doing enough? Moments of, whew, you know, okay, this is harder than I thought, but they pass. They don't stick with me. Mm-hmm. That's really good. Yeah, it's important. It's important not to let it stick with you. You better do something very fast. Mm-hmm. If you feel like these moments are sticking with you, get your supplements up, get your food in, get your diet in, get your girlfriends in, get your pastor involved, go to church, 
try not to be put on some drugs and things like that just yet that I, I'm very adamant. Mamas, they may tell you that pregnancy is a mental disorder. It is not. Or, um, you know, postpartum depression. I think postpartum depression like is a thing. But I think that there's a lot of things that make it that way that are not that you're mentally wrong or broken. Mm -hmm. You're tired. You're hungry. Your man is not kicking in like he should be. Maybe that baby is, you know, really draining on you. Or maybe you're having hormone things. And so please, like, just make sure that you're kind of ticking off all these things first before you believe that there's something mentally wrong with you. It's a physically stressful process. Yeah. That will make the best of us <laughs> suffer at any point in time. Yeah. And so, you know, just make sure you're taking very good care of yourself and getting the support that you need from trustworthy sources. Yeah. That's great advice. Now, earlier you mentioned you were breastfeeding. How mm -hmm. was that? I'm so lucky. I I've been so lucky up until recently. She latched right away. Oh, the good. nurses in the hospital were great with helping me um, get her learn how to latch and things mm -hmm. like that. So we have had a wonderful breastfeeding experience. In our first week, she did stop latching briefly. I took her to a prenatal chiropractor the very next day, and he did adjustments on her. Mm -hmm. Even in her mouth, they adjusted some things. Really? Yes. Interestingly enough, like the body is designed to handle almost every eventuality. Mm -hmm. So when the babies are born vaginally, right, they come out with the cone shaped heads and the, and the skull is supposed to re kind of reshape itself. Mm -hmm. When you have a C-section baby, the skull doesn't properly go through all the transitions that it's supposed to. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? Yeah. And so she comes out with this perfectly round head and la la la, but nature doesn't get to take its own natural course. So she got some adjustments and they looked at her tie, you know, these ties, right, that can cause latching issues. They kind of worked on the mouth a little bit and I wound up not having to get her, her ties cut and she latched back on. Um, only recently now are we kind of going through a thing where she wants mommy to lay in bed to feed her and that's it. She <laughs> loves sidelines. She doesn't want to sit up. She, doesn't, she just wants to lie in bed and be fed. So that's a new thing that we're working through. Mm -hmm. And um, so I'm back with the prenatal chiropractor just um, because she's got some tightness in her diaphragm and they're doing some adjustments to make sure there's no pain reason or is she just being stubborn? <laughs> <laughs> so we're working through that one now, um, mm -hmm. but she is feeding. And if you see her, she she looks well fed. <laughs> yeah, Good. breast milk is king around here. She loves mommy's milk. Good. Well, we have just a few more questions for our lightning round, if you're okay with that. Sure. Okay. Do you plan to have more kids in your 40s? I want to so bad, but I don't plan to. Okay. I want to so bad. I miss being pregnant already, and she's already not a newborn, and I want to do newborn again. And I would love for her to, like, grow up here with, like, sibling in-house and la, la, la. But I think that would just be a lot for me. Okay. I think it would be asking too much for myself. Okay. What has been your biggest challenge? being pregnant in your 40s? I think my biggest challenge is ha has been noticing how physically I'm not as up to it as I thought. Mm -hmm. That my back hurts a lot. Like she is growing, like she's doubled in size, right? So now she's almost 15 pounds. Maybe she is 15 pounds now. She's heavy. And that hurts my back a lot. It hurts my knees. 
Like I went into pregnancy with knee pain and I got some physical therapy for it, but carrying her up and down stairs is breaking my back and my knees. And I think that that also has to do with age and I was not as physically prepared as I realized I should have been. Mm-hmm. And maybe if I was younger, I would have just innately been stronger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sense. there is a physical demand with this that is more challenging than I thought. Yeah. Is there anything you recommend that would help prepare someone for pregnancy and birth in their 40s? Yes. Make sure your man wants to have a baby. One. And make sure he wants to have a baby because it's one thing like, yeah, you know, he wants a family, but does he really want to be involved with a baby? I think you really need to sort those things out ahead of time. Like what is his vision about parenting when you have a newborn? Mm-hmm. You know, does he want to be hands-on? Does he think it's his job to be hands-on? Really work out what his involvement level is with the baby. And I didn't, shouldn't say his in this day and age, if it's a female partner, you know, mm-hmm. whomever your partner is, sure. <laughs> sort that out. Don't wait till the baby comes and learn the hard way that your partner doesn't think it has anything to do with it. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing. Two, have conversations ahead of time about what if the baby, if we find out, you know, the baby's going to have Down syndrome or things like that. What is your goal or game plan if you find out about that, right? Mm-hmm. If you're pro-choice, you have choices about that, right? And, you know, here in Florida, we you have six weeks to make a decision. Well, okay. These are the, you have to talk about these things because they're real circumstances. Are you prepared for twins? Which is also kind of why I, I get a little bit skittish about trying again, because what if it's twins? Mm-hmm. I'm not ready for twins. I'm like, bring it. <laughs> Yeah, but apparently, like, the older you get, the greater the chances there are for twins. And I think that's the case with IVFs, too, right? Like, you have a greater chance yeah. for multiple births. Are you really ready for that? Like, are you ready for triplets? Yeah. Have Bring that it. conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we have that conversation quite a bit. Yeah, it's an important one. Yeah. It's an important one. And then just on top of that, yeah, I would say be physically fit. Like, I think like I'm a healthy lady, I'm in the, you know, like, I, that's right. I, see I your ran guns. track. Yeah, I, I, I have, I ran track through college. Like I was always an athlete. And so I think even through my forties, I've kind of been benefiting from all of that hard work I've put my body through, through life. Like literally from the age of eight through my twenties, I was a competitive athlete. And so my body, I think reflects that. And so I've been able to do some things through age and look good through age, work out, like get in the gym and start getting your body ready. Do not go into pregnancy if you can help it with pre-existing physical conditions. So if you're overweight, I would say try to come down and wait, handle your weight. Because if you, if you have pregnancy is only going to exacerbate what's wrong. Mm-hmm. Even if you are healthy, pregnancy might give you some things to be wrong. You know, like I didn't have high blood pressure. Now I do. I wasn't a diabetic. Now I've got gestational diabetes. Yes. <laughs> you know, my my joints, you know, didn't hurt, but now they do. Pregnancy is hard already. So if you've got difficulties with your body, get them fixed to the best degree that you can before getting pregnant. That's great. Mm hmm. 
What advice would you give yourself when you were pregnant if you could go back? The biggest piece is is just, you know, my pregnancy went so well. So I, I have no, I think I did great. The biggest piece of advice was to kick my feet up in those in those last few weeks when you're getting around your due date. I would have I would have made sure that I was more rested so that I could have the labor that I worked mm-hmm. so hard to have. And then I, I really do feel like I sabotaged my own labor and delivery mm-hmm. process. Yeah. So for me, that would be the thing. And that was it. I think I did. I had a really good pregnancy, so I wouldn't change anything else. I, I love you know, that. Yeah, I wouldn't change anything else except for just... See it through to the end, Chia. You did everything great. You did everything great and then tripped at the finish line, tripped off your own shoelace at the finish line. <laughs> so so that's my piece of advice is really take heed when they say rest. Mm-hmm. Rest. Eat yeah. well. Yeah. Eat well going into it. Yeah. You've given such great advice. Do you have any last words for those women trying to conceive in their 40s? Know that it's possible. Mm. No matter what anybody says, I'm here to tell you that it's possible. And not only is the pregnancy itself possible, a healthy pregnancy, a drug-free pregnancy, a hospital-stay-free pregnancy is possible. Mm. How do I know? Because I did it. And I did it without even trying. And I think that that's not a bragging point. It's a hope point. It's a hope point for ladies. That is just like, it is so possible that it can go very well for you as well as it could have if you did it in your 20s. It's possible. Yeah, that's awesome. You are so amazing at sharing your story on Instagram. Will you tell us more about where everyone can find you? Yes. So I'm on Instagram and my handle there is pregnancy over 40 with 40 spelled out as a word. So Mm F-O-R-T-Y, pregnancy over 40, Instagram. On TikTok, I'm pregnancy over 40, but the number four zero. And I I share more of my story on TikTok. They just have a longer form format. Like I can record for 10 minutes on TikTok so I can share more there. So if you really, really want to follow along, get all the deeks. TikTok is where it's at. But I do try to do separate posts on Instagram as well so that it's not just total duplicate of everything. So if you don't want to go to TikTok, that's fine. I do share probably about 85% of what's on TikTok is also on Instagram. Okay. And in due time, I'll be on YouTube as well, working on that. And Ooh. That's, that's where I'm at. I'm having a good time. I try to be honest about the ups and downs along the way, but keeping it very lighthearted and and not so serious and not depressing. I have like the happiest pregnancy page you would ever want to find. Well, Tia, thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you for having me here. I really appreciate that you reached out to me. I'm glad that we persisted and I'm wishing you Mm -hmm. so much luck to get yourself a baby over there. Thank you. It is the greatest joy and you're on the right track. Thank you. You're very welcome, Jamie. It's nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. And thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a great week and I will see you next Monday. Monday.